know why you're doing it because if you don't, you're going to get a few weeks in and be like, this isn't worth it. And keep that very present with yourself. Hey, everybody. Emily Abadi here. You are listening to another installment of Hurdle Moment from Hurdle, a wellness-focused podcast where I connect with everyone from your favorite athletes to top experts and industry CEOs about their highest highs, toughest moments, and everything in between. We all go through hurdles in life, and my goal through these discussions is to empower you to better navigate yours and move with intention so that you can stride toward your own big potential. And of course, have some fun along the way. For today's episode, I am calling in my coach for the London Marathon. Her name is Rebecca Stowe. Stowe is based in New York. She's also a coach for Nike NYC, and we have known each other for a few years now. So when I was looking to take this training cycle in a different direction, getting one-on-one coaching to go after whatever my best may be this time around, I was excited to reach out to this beautiful human to get things going. With years of experience, including running in college, Stowe is here to answer all of your marathon training questions, ranging from, do I need different sneakers for different workouts? Do my socks matter? How often should I be hydrating? What do I have to do if I need to shift my schedule around? How am I supposed to balance running with other things in my life when it feels like it is all that I am doing? plus her three top tips for beginner marathoners and so much more. I love this conversation. It's always fun to sit down with a friend for the show. I also do want to note that, listen, I know selfishly that right now on the show, there is an influx of running content. If you have been a hurdler for a while or if you're relatively new to the pod, I would say that over the last couple of years, I have definitely drifted away from talking so much about running because I want to make sure that I'm covering all aspects of wellness, that I'm being holistic. Now, with that said, I, like I'm sure many of you listening to this, am in the thick of marathon training. So I am going to talk about it. It is a huge part of my life. And as the person that's behind this microphone bringing you this show, it's something I'm going to talk about. So... With all that said, I want you to know I'm here to listen to your feedback. I am here to bring you the best products that I can, and I'm always open for suggestions. So feel free to hit me up if you've got someone you want me to talk with, if you've got a topic you want to hear more about over on social media at Hurdle Podcast or me over at Emily Abadi. And of course, the Hurdle email is always open to you as well. You can reach out directly at the address hello at hurdle.us. I believe that's it for this week. It's time to get to your training questions. I'm amped on this. With that, let's get to hurdling.
Today, I am sitting down with my coach, Rebecca Stowe. How are you doing today? I'm good. I just finished up a nice little run down the West Side Highway. It's hot as I'll get out out there, but <laughs> it's appropriate. That <laughs> made you for a that. good start. It made for a good start. It's appropriate that you did that as we're here today to talk about marathon training. Yeah. I have to get mine in too. I have to get so. your marathon. What are you running? What are you running? New York again. Field trip. Yeah. <laughs> Home territory. <laughs> How are we feeling? Good. Yeah, I've been uh, taking a minute to figure out like what I want running to look like in my life. So it's not about me today talking about my marathoning, but definitely is beneficial as a coach to also kind of have that same experience, I think. Let's touch on that real quick, because I do feel like at times we all have to answer that question for ourselves. Hmm. Like we all have to evaluate what role it's going to play for a season. And sometimes that role shifts. So when you say I have to evaluate what role running is going to play in my life right now, how has that maybe shifted from what it looked like last year or the year before? Yeah, I spent a lot of my life trying to run at an Olympic level. um, And push the track kind of side of things. And so I wasn't certain if marathoning and getting into the roads like this was something I wanted to do and then at what capacity or like intensity. And so I kind of just took a year where I was focusing on doing my job, which is coaching and giving back that and realized that the missing piece for myself, like it really hones me and I learn a lot about how to be a better coach by doing my own training. And so I kind of felt like, okay, now I establish what it looks like for me to really focus on giving everything to other people and recognizing I needed my own training to give back to myself in order to give to other people. So <laughs> just trying to kind of find that balance um, and prioritization, I guess, more than anything. Yeah. Yeah. As so. your coaching has picked up, you've yeah. done a lot more of it within the last few years. Mm-hmm. How do you find that time outside of running? Because I would assume that if you're coaching running and then like you also give back to yourself through running, like sometimes something's got to give and you've got to find some other way to take care of yourself that doesn't involve running. Running, Yeah. yeah. That's why I got a dog. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I can go for walks. Um, <laughs> Slower pace. Than yeah. Running. No, I mean, I am like more than happy to like live and breathe it. It's just, it's actually getting to see other people enjoy it and accomplish that is enough to like take me away from my own experience with running and kind mm-hmm. of fun to be in, in, like empowered and motivated by what other people are doing. So I don't know. I don't, I don't have a ton of hobbies. I probably should figure something <laughs> out. I did get rollerblades recently. Oh, so I have some blades. Yeah. Just so you know. <laughs> Maybe we, we could, could go for a blade. We could take King for some blading. <laughs> yeah, I got to figure out how to stop first. So <laughs> I'm not going to take King yet. But <laughs> not just yet. Uh, and then the last thing to touch on before we start getting into some of these hurdler yeah. marathon training questions is you have a really big role this year within the New York community as far as Nike. You work with Nike yeah. to coach some of their Saturday long runs. How yeah. is that shaken up for you so yeah. far? Uh, week three on tap tomorrow, which is like, amazing that it's flying by so quickly we're already in week three but it's great we've got a good little team and Jess um, Woods and I have worked together for a really long time and brought in a few other community kind of like coaches that are doing an excellent amazing job like it's been fun to see 200 plus people out on the streets again together after such a long hiatus of that kind of energy and for me it's really just like the new faces and the new reasons for why people are out there and what it means to them and getting to hear these little blips and stories and connect and again be 
like selfishly motivated and empowered kind of like by what everyone's doing collectively. Definitely. Jess has been on the show before. I'm going to link to Jess's episodes in the show notes. We definitely dabbled in some training questions as well. So if you for some reason, are looking for even more content than what Stowe and I are about to get into, you can check on over to the show notes and go to check out those episodes. All right. So this is a hurdler requested episode specific to marathon training. Before we dive into these cues, one last question. Do you want to give us a summation of like running and you up to this point so they know what experience you're coming to this? Um, Succinctly. Yeah. I ran the University of Kansas. I qualified to the 2012 Olympic trials in the steeplechase, moved out to the East Coast to run professionally with a group out here, which is form like the New Jersey New York Track Club that recently kind of died out. And then moved to New York and have been kind of training on my own a little bit over the last few years and tried to qualify back to the 2020 trials. Just missed it, but ran some personal kind of bests in coaching myself with the help of a few other really amazing women (laughs) to that place. So yeah, running for me is just finding myself and being the best version of (laughs) myself. Yeah. That's kind of me and running. It's more of like a relationship than anything. How do you come back to the relationship? You mentioned just missing it. Yeah. And sometimes when we fall short of our goals, the relationship can feel a little tumultuous. Mm -hmm. How did you come back to your anchor in running the anchor that brings you back to the sport after dealing with such a hardship and coming short of that goal? I think the thing that I really was getting to, and I actually was, I had listened to your conversation with uh, Emma Bates recently and just Mm. talking about like, it's more about the person that you are becoming within that and enjoying that process. And so even before the end of that track career this the final season I really felt like I embodied like everything I have done through this that was the important stuff and like if (laughs) if this happens if it doesn't happen I came to a contentment with myself um, and the process that I had gone through and an enjoyment and I mean that's what I hope that I also give back to (laughs) the athletes and the people that I work with in their own training is helping to recognize that it's more about making sure that you're setting up a process that is personal and like associates to your values and what matters to you that also puts you in a place to be like the best version of yourself. And then if whatever happens, like obviously it's really fun to accomplish those goals and see them come to fruition and hopefully it all happens at once. But if it doesn't, you still did it all in the way that was authentic to yourself and like empowers you to be your best self. So yeah, I think we're going to touch on this a little bit more when we talk about motivation later. But it's that overarching concept that the journey kind of is the destination, right? Like, if you don't enjoy the process, then achieving a goal isn't going to feel as sweet. And you need to be grounded in what your why is so that you can go after and show up because 16, 14 weeks is a lot of time compared to the three, four, five hours you're going to be out there on race day. Absolutely. Okay. Hurdler questions. All right. There's a lot of them. Uh, But I know I have a qualified individual to talk through this with me. Let's start by talking. Let's start by talking gear. A lot of questions coming in about choosing sneakers and if you need different sneakers or how many pairs you should have. So why don't we break down why someone may want more than one pair of shoes in their rotation? Yeah. 
I think it's important to always have kind of different purposes for each shoe that you're wearing, plus having even a day to kind of cycle through and let the foam and everything recover um, after a session. So I I personally recommend if you can afford it, right, to, to have one or two just pretty neutral training shoe that you're going to use and then something else that has maybe a plate in it, be it plastic or carbon fiber, if you're trying to really get after it on another day, mm -hmm. right? So the purpose of the session that you're doing will influence the shoe that you're using and at the same time also your your structure and so like what you need personally right. um and if you're i've had number of athletes ask like do i have to be in the alpha fly I'm like no <laughs> you don't <laughs> you do not have to be in the alpha fly like they're coming to me this this is hurting da, da, da. i'm like don't wear that shoe wear a different shoe mm -hmm. <laughs> even though that is what it is meant for right, right. it doesn't help you if it's not putting you in a place to be able to do what you need to do so yeah. um it it depends on personal needs right and your health comes first so you need to find the shoe that fits for you but ideally being able to cycle through a few and have different um shoes to play with within your training regimen right and so typically speaking also worth keeping in mind if you're leaning into something like tempo or speed work you mm -hmm. may be looking at a lighter option than your neutral workout workhorse that you're doing maybe yeah. all of your base mileage in your long mileage in that kind of thing yep. so keeping that in mind and something else to touch on you were saying uh you know athletes coming to me like do i need to wear the alpha fly there's a lot of research actually and i'll link this study in the show notes but that regardless of what your foot type is the most important thing about your sneaker is that you feel comfortable in it so even mm -hmm. if you were to go to a running specialty shop which is a great option for someone who's trying to figure out what their goldilocks sneaker is if they tell you that you pronate but you put on a shoe that is made with stability in mind and it just doesn't feel right for you mm -hmm. The most important thing is that you find a shoe that you feel good in physically, and that will result in less injury. So Absolutely. I'll link that study in the show notes, but definitely finding something that you feel comfortable in and be honest with yourself about that. I remember when I was younger and I would like totally want to buy sneakers just based on how they looked. Oh, yeah. I or mean, like what everybody else was that's wearing. That's fair. Yeah. That's fair. But. And then I like got to a point where I was like, A, I'm shopping for sneakers that are too small. Yeah. Let's touch on that real quick. Mm -hmm. Running sneakers, typically we're shopping at least a half size up. Yeah. Yeah. I always say a thumbnail length um, from like the end of your toe just because – and then obviously that toe box, you want to see your foot sitting flush. Like mm. you don't want to be spilling out the sides of that toe box um, right. and that's at loading, right? So just kind of being aware of how you're moving um, and how your foot is changing even within your run or within your – run walk right it's going to swell it's going to the dimension of it will change so be aware of fitting your shoe to to that sizing right so for instance i'm a i have a larger foot i would say although okay. people are probably going to dm me and be like i have this size foot too <laughs> i have a woman's 10 street shoe but i run in a 10 and a half mm -hmm. sneaker mm -hmm. but i i have friends that run a full size up yeah 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 Just and it depends. will it might change throughout your training as well um and that could fall back to saying do a little bit more foot strengthening stuff if your arch is changing right yeah. <laughs> there's so many pieces we could get into with it but from a shoe perspective absolutely you want a half size or so and beyond shoes other important gear kind of going with that theme of find what feels right for you so maybe through your training you learn that you're a five or six inch short person and someone else might learn that they're a split short person like do whatever feels right for you find your comfort zone and that token 
advice that we hear all the time. Test out your gear, figure <laughs> out what works for you, because the last thing you want to do is put on something new on like your big race moment. Yeah. Yeah. And try it all different weathers and all of these things too, right? So great tip. <clears throat> I mean, you never know what race day is going to hold. And so something that you wore might do really well in the rain, but it doesn't do well X, right? So play with it and have a few different options too, right? Don't yeah. just get so, I think the biggest thing you can do with marathon training is be flexible, as flexible as possible within obviously your scheduled flexibility kind yeah, of yeah. so that you have multiple options. And I'm staring at you right now and you're wearing a hat, uh, oh, yeah. which I think is something that someone should do throughout training, test out accessories as well. Mm -hmm. Like I know that if it's raining, I need to be wearing a hat because the rain not being in my eyes mm -hmm. is a total mental, like it helps me so much to be like, oh, you can do this. Like your face is dry. <laughs> the rest yeah. of me might be soaked, but please, with these temperatures outside right now in New York, I'm used to being soaked. Yeah. I'm not. <laughs> used to being pelted in the face with water so yeah. accessories also like there's nothing too small that you can't trial out absolutely during uh, marathon glasses training. as well um huge just because you can relax your face and that's even just knowing that you're not tensing mm -hmm. is going to change like the physiology yeah. <laughs> elsewhere yeah so. well the less the less the less tense you can be <laughs> yes the better <laughs> that's the goal <laughs> now you mentioned a flexibility in marathon training being mm -hmm. really important this is going to segue us into a listener question that came in about adjusting your training plan mm -hmm. if i'm traveling during the week and i know that i won't be able to do my long runs on the weekend is it safe to pack them a little closer together mm -hmm. Have we had to discuss this with you? Oh, have we had to discuss this? <laughs> have yes. we had to do this? We've had to do this. <laughs> I would say it's fine. Yeah. Obviously, you want to make sure that you're recovering from the prior session. You're wanting to look at the overall load from week to week so that you're not jumping. If you've only been doing 20 miles one week, you don't want to double back that long run and be doing 40 the following week, right? That time on feet. Um, but like I said, the flexibility is important and you have to make marathoning as as a community runner, right, fit into your lifestyle. And mm -hmm. so that's why I think, honestly, that most of the time I end up with private clients that I work with because they are trying to do multiple things at high levels and they're trying to live their life and be able to go on a vacation but still do their marathon training mm -hmm. and just having that sounding board. So no problem. I would recommend two to three days if possible between those sessions. But if you're also keeping them nice and aerobic, your body can recover as long as you're structurally sound and you've, you're strong um, <laughs> and you've been doing it, right? Yeah. And that brings us into the idea or the concept that every run, as Bennett says, has a purpose, right? Mm -hmm. So if you are going out and treating your long run like a tempo run and doing those longer tempo workouts mm -hmm. within two to three days of each other, that can be a lot on your body. So know what the purpose of your run is before going into it. That's so important. Absolutely. Absolutely. Knowing why you're doing something also just feeds your confidence in your ability to execute it, right? And when you're in the middle of it, why am I out here? Oh, I know. Like the number of times I've done a session personally when I'm like, my arms are heavy, my legs are heavy. No, that's what you want, Rebecca. That's the purpose of this. So like you can continue in that because that's what we're trying to get out of it. Um, that knowledge is power and important for you. Yeah. Um, but yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, something else to touch on here. We're talking words like tempo and long runs. Mm-hmm. Important maybe to answer this listener question that came in. I'm a beginner runner. I'm training for my first marathon. Do I need to have different types of workouts in my training plan or can I just hit a mileage goal every week? Hmm. It's probably a little more complex than <laughs> than just a straightforward answer on that. We want to know where you've come from, if you've been doing other types of training, if you go to classes and you've been doing different modalities of like cross training and stuff, if you're getting those systems hit in other ways, Mm -hmm. um, because there is a potential danger to overworking one system, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Your body needs that kind of variability in order to, um, from like a nervous system perspective, be able to operate appropriately. So at at the same vein, if you haven't been doing higher force work when you're running really fast, you're generating more force into the ground, that's more like kind of trauma to your body, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and if you haven't been doing that, throwing that in there on top of adding all of the time on your feet that you're doing to get all the other mileage in could be detrimental as well. So it's not kind of a one size fits all. I can't answer that question in like a yes, it's fine, but or no, it's not. Um, but I think take a co- like account of what you've done and where you're where you're at, where you're coming from. Um, and obviously the marathon is 98 percent aerobic. So that's a huge, huge part of it. And if you're just looking to say, I want to be able to finish this and run this far. Yeah. But yeah. if it's like, oh, I've run X and I'm trying to run why, (laughs) then you might need to start changing it up a little bit more. Yeah. I mean, this all alludes to the fact that every person is their own person. Everyone is going to have their own needs. So if you are gearing up for a marathon and it's your first or your 50th, it is extremely helpful to talk to someone one-on-one to get some advice about maybe what you should be doing, where you should be going, what kind of workouts you should be incorporating. I'm not saying that everyone needs to hire a coach, um, especially if you don't have those kind of means, but just going for like a one-on-one, one time with someone to ask some questions, sit down with an expert and get advice that's tailored to you and where you're at is really, really important. And that could be even someone like maybe a physical therapist that works with a lot of runners. Like Go to someone that's a qualified expert, not just someone that like runs a lot on social media. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's And it's interesting with the beginner question. I'm lucky that I I work with kindergartners (laughs) all the way up to people um, who have been running or moving their bodies for 50, 60 years. Right. Um, And so you have to think about it in that sense, too. Like (laughs) if you had a little kid who's just starting to do something and you're brand new they're not going to do the exact same thing as the person who's been doing it for years and years and years, right? Do that with the high school program. The freshmen don't get the same program as the seniors, right? <laughs> so just from that perspective, know where you're at. Take it accordingly. Take it accordingly. Okay. <laughs> now let's shift our conversation into motivation. I, as you know, morning runner. Mm-hmm. A lot of the DMs that I get in are like, how? How do you get up and do this every day? What, what, what is your like secret to showing up? And this really goes back to the idea of motivation, mm-hmm. right? So when you are working with clients, when you're coaching and someone says, like, I just don't feel like I can do it, mm. what do you tell them? Let's shift that narrative. <laughs> or why? Why don't you feel that you can? Like, we need to reflect on what that is. Is it a 
I literally don't have the time in the morning and there's a better time block for you? Or is it that you're getting out there and you're not able to get enough fueling in the morning and so it becomes detrimental, right? We have to adjust and see. But I'd say it starts with why. (laughs) Why can't you? Mm -hmm. Should we shift that narrative a little bit? and empower you to believe that you can or say you need to get out there and just try it to see that you can because I feel like most of it is habit formation <laughs> and just establishing the habit, right? Assuming you're you're not undoing the good work that you've done by not getting enough sleep or X, Y, Z. That might sound harsh. <laughs> I'm not meaning to sound harsh. Um, and it's something I personally struggle with too. Like I don't love getting up. I like my slow morning, my coffee. Mm-hmm. I also always feel so much better after I've gotten up, moved. I never regret that decision, right? If someone has the habit and someone struggles with what we all struggle with, which mm-hmm. is, oh my God, it is mile 12 of this long run and I have whatever many left, six left. And it's like that moment where they're like, what am I doing? Can I keep going? Blah, 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 blah. Where do you come in with that? Are you a mantra person or are you a, like, where do you, where do you root from? I'm a decide kind of person. (laughs) And as long as there's not other pieces that really need to be taken into to adjust. right? Right. Like an injury. Yeah. If it's turning into something more, but it's a, you set your mind and that sounds simple, but it's not. It's like I've had to do that on a number of occasions. I've had to talk people through that process as well. And it's coming like, I will do this, <laughs> committing, not giving yourself the out. And then when the narrative of like comes back in, just being able to see it, give yourself a little bit of grace and say like, no, I, I committed to this. I'm going to do it. And being gentle in that way. Or sometimes it's being like, no, you're do this like (laughs) and it's it's hard like you have to just kind of be with yourself in the moment and give yourself what you need and if that's going internally to be able to continue to go if that's like checking yourself out and taking in the scene around you to keep yourself moving forward but at the end of the day it's that deciding and then manipulating your attentional focus and your (laughs) dialogue to accomplish the task right this goes hand in hand also with the questions that will come in about like, should I, should I be also should, 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 should. <laughs> what is should, what is should <laughs> the word should is just, it's so detrimental for so many reasons, mm. but the inquiry mm. should I be yeah. running with music or podcasts or should I yeah. not be listening to anything? What do you want to do? Yeah. And what works for you and what helps your mental state Mm -hmm. to get you to where you need to be. Mm -hmm. Just because one day running with music feels really great doesn't mean that you have to do it every time. It could mean that there's a benefit to running as I remember when I was a younger editor and that buzzy term, it was running naked and Mm. running naked was just like running without music. Literally. Okay. (laughs) It was like literally streaking. (laughs) Streaking around the West Side Highway. That would not go well for me for so many reasons. Mostly the chafing. (laughs) (laughs) but I remember the people wanted tips on how to run naked Mm -hmm. and I was like well does it feel good for you yeah let's be real most people don't love running especially when you start like Mm -hmm. I will never forget my mom I was like I really don't want to go out and do this I'm like younger she loves running and she's like you will learn to love it and it was just kind of like I know I will and I did and like now I can't imagine my life without it but it's true like you have to 
figure out how to learn to love it. And for you, that's going to look different, right? Everybody needs a little something to get you out there. I don't want you to hate and dread your run. So find if that's being with people, if it's being by yourself and running naked, (laughs) if it's like getting away and out, whatever it is, and each day might look different. It's being, again, be flexible. Taking a break from today's episode to talk to you about my sponsors. First up, Gooder. You know what I'm going to do this week? I'm going to bury a Gooder giveaway in the middle of this ad read. For those of you that are unfamiliar, Gooder makes my favorite active sunglasses. They are polarized, no bounce, no scratch, and all fun. And plus, they have a shape and style to suit every single taste. My go-to is the Operation Blackout style. It's a sleek, oversized black aviator that I love, not only for my runs, but also just running errands. How often do I travel that I am trying to bring less stuff with me? When I reach for a pair of gooders, I know I have something that is both stylish and functional for all of my needs when I'm on the go. Plus, their sunglasses start at just $25, and I'm about to offer you a discount as well. If you head on over to gooder.com, that's G-O-O-D-R.com slash hurdle, you can get 15% off your next purchase by using hurdle15 at checkout. Again, that is hurdle15 at checkout at gooder, G-O-O-D-R.com slash hurdle to snag 15% off your next order today. Now, I said a giveaway, and I will stick to my promise. Tag the show over on social today, Wednesday, August 10th, or tomorrow, Thursday, August 11th. I will personally select someone who has shared this episode of the show to send out a pair of Gooder sunglasses to myself. Again, do it by end of day. Let's call it 6 p.m. Eastern on August 11th, and I will announce the winner over on the Hurdle Podcast Instagram. Also want to give some love to my friends over at Open. Open is a digital mindfulness platform combining breathwork, meditation, and movement. And honestly, I have been geeked on this for the last two and a half months or so. You know, I never thought that I was the kind of person that could excel at breathwork. I always felt like it was a little too woo-woo-y for me, for lack of a better descriptor. And now I am hooked. Open makes breathwork feel accessible. They have options ranging from literally 60 seconds to something like 30 minutes. And now I am leaning into the app and doing a breathwork class every single morning to clear my head and help me get ready for the day. Also, I've noticed a correlation between better quality sleep using my Whoop strap, as well as the days that I log breathwork in the Whoop journal. I'm seeing less disturbances in my sleep, and I'm also getting long longer periods of deep and REM sleep, AKA I am team open period. 
of Note. They offer both live and on-demand classes, and you can connect directly with your teachers during in-class live streams. It's designed for all levels, and you can cancel at any time. Now, of course, we have an offer for you. You can come take class with me. Open is giving Hurdle listeners 30 days free when you visit withopen.com. That's W-I-T-H-O-P-E-N.com slash hurdle. Again, join me on Open by going to withopen.com slash hurdle and let me know what you think. I'll see you in class. Be flexible. Yep. Speaking of being flexible, we talked about being a social runner, a community runner, and also making running a piece of your life, maybe not your entire life, right? Mm-hmm. Like 99.9% of the people listening to this episode right now are more on the beginner to intermediate side of mm-hmm. things. But alas, regardless of where you are in your marathon journey, it's important to find some semblance of balance so that you can live your life while going after this goal. Mm -hmm. I get a lot of questions and I'm sure you are working one-on-one with your athletes about how to do both, Mm -hmm. right? How to be a runner training for a marathon and a good friend and a good partner and someone that's involved in your community beyond running. Yeah. Where do we go with that? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's something to sit with. (laughs) I, the sports psychologist that I worked with when I was competing and he's just become a mentor in many ways, um, challenged me at one point when I was speaking to him about balance and he was like, wait, 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 is it balance or is it prioritization? Right? Like hierarchical like values (laughs) and understanding what is most important to you and then being able to, again, fluidly move between those priorities in the time and the way they present. So one week, (laughs) your priorities might have to shift a little bit. And it's also surrounding yourself with people and having the relationships where you can communicate authentically and honestly about like what you have going on and how to make sure that you're able to still check the boxes that you need to um, and have support in that potentially. But I I don't know, balance is, it's hard because it's, it's almost, I feel like then you're trying to carry all the plates mm-hmm. rather than like if you were able to say, this is my priority today or in this moment, you can set one of those plates down. You're not trying to hold 50. Right. <laughs> you can just pick up one or two. Right. And then, so yeah, I mean, it's knowing for yourself before you jump in, what is, what is my goal with this? What is the priority? Where does it fall? And again, that hierarchy of what I'm trying to do right now so that when the time comes to make the decision that you have to make, be it, no, I'm, I'm a partner today. And this doing this thing is more important than making sure I get the workout that was scheduled to do today. I can move that workout to tomorrow Mm -hmm. (laughs) and I can be the thing that I need to be now and make sure that the priorities are being, being met. Yeah. Um, I love that idea of having like authentic conversations. Yeah. That's really important. And to surround yourself with individuals that make you feel seen and that understand what's important to you instead of maybe giving you like some sort of, you know, shit for trying to need to pivot or do X or Y just because it's not a priority to them doesn't mean that it's not allowed to be a priority for you. Yeah, And like owning what you're about, like you don't have to 
have the same interests or priorities as someone else, but owning it for yourself. Of like, no, this is this is important to me. If someone doesn't understand that or agree with it, then maybe that's a might just be a season to, <laughs> yeah. to go different ways yeah, for now. Yeah, just for now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I hear or, that. I I think also like you said, balance and practice, that definition, how that looks is going to shift every week. Like tonight, I'm going to a concert that starts at 7.30. I mentally have already made this agreement with myself. It's a two-drink night, (laughs) and I know I need to be up at 5.30 tomorrow. Yep. But I can do both. Like I can go to the concert that is very close to my apartment, and then I can come home and get rest and wake up and do this other thing that's important to me. Yeah. There is a way to do both. You just might need to shift what that conventionally has looked like before. Yeah. Yeah. And admittedly, you just have to be better at everything you're doing, which is like intimidating in some ways. But at the same time, I think that's a little bit of why people choose to run marathons is because it's challenging. It's like, can I, can I do it? It's a chance to like give yourself something that is really hard and meet it and know that you have more there right and so it's like yeah you might have to do a little bit more work but like that's okay just we can be better and we can't like it's exciting to see ourselves do that it's intimidating Mm -hmm. but it's also really exciting and it's just this beautiful season of learning how to prioritize yourself something that Mm -hmm. maybe you're not the best at the rest of the year and then you take those lessons Mm -hmm. in self-prioritization with you after you cross that finish line, right? Yeah. And you learn more about boundaries and patience. And that is, you know, that's yeah. why people are listening to us talk right now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Next question here. I've got recurring blisters. Oh, Ooh. those are the worst, yeah. man. Yeah. What does someone do about recurring blisters? What are some things that they should take into consideration if that keeps popping up? Um, I mean, it could be a shoe thing. It could be socks and material, right? So checking and making sure that you're wearing the right type of sock that's going to support not getting those blisters. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd say always second skin is kind of my go-to if I ever have something like that. It's simple. You can buy a whole like 200 piece pack on Amazon for $40. So okay. <laughs> um, I mean, that would be probably my recommendation. Yeah. But luckily, I haven't had many, so I don't have a lot to say. <laughs> Low in the blister what you, count. What do you have there? Uh, you have? I'm not big on blisters, but I will say that the thing that has impacted that the most over like, you know, the 10 or so years that I've been running is socks. Yeah. It's never really been a shoe thing for me, but I definitely used to buy like the, I don't know, 10 pack of, oh my God, I'm like coming into my young years right now. <laughs> I, what was the name of the socks that they sold at Costco? It was like K-Bell, oh. K-Bell socks. Hmm. Love to Baba Body who used to buy them in like 20 packs. Anything <laughs> you could buy in bulk at Costco. It's a dad thing. <laughs> It's like I can't leave Target without spending $100, but my dad can't leave Costco without spending $200. So I used to wear just like cotton socks, which could be fine normally. But when your feet are sweating and swelling, cotton stays wet, period. So there was no sweat absorption. It just wasn't the right material. So as I have started to invest some more in socks, that has really paid off for me. We actually posted something on the blog. We have a new series called Emily's Favorite Picks. Mm. We just did a sock one. I'll link to that in the show notes. But really finding socks and materials that not only have like compression where your foot needs it most, but then also just feel like supported and like allow your feet to breathe. It's so important. It's really helped my blister game for sure. That or even just the upper on your shoe if you're sweating a lot. 
not being able to be in a more breathable upper. Check that out if that's a recurring issue. Check it out. Next question. Let's talk about rest and recovery. Mm. Like we were talking about before when it comes to maybe talking one-on-one with a coach instead of just like picking a training plan and following a training plan, you might be the kind of person that benefits from running three or four days a week Mm -hmm. just because your friend that you follow on social media runs six days a week doesn't mean that you should be doing that as well. When it comes to rest and recovery, what are some of the top tips, things you keep in mind when it comes to coaching your athletes about the importance of it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're only as good as the way you're recovering and there is a like required amount of time for sessions that you need to take. So the way that it would be programmed and even the question that we just had about doubling back on your <laughs> long runs, right? Or the the purpose of the sessions and how you're or, like organizing those throughout the week, um, that supports your recovery. Sleep, it, I mean, you can't over <laughs> overemphasize the importance of that. It's the easiest way, sleep, sleep, sleep. But if you can't do that, there are so many other ways to kind of biohack and be it blood sugar stabilization to support your recovery, protein intake, and all of these nutritional things, right? But it's it's also just figuring out for yourself how you downregulate and how you kind of engage that parasympathetic branch to really rest and digest. And it's, again, it's one of those personal things and you have to figure out what that looks like for you. If it's sitting down and journaling, if it's going to the park and just kind of like putting your music in and zoning out and going for a nice walk. Um, all of the above can be beneficial, mm-hmm. but like you have, you have to recover because if not, you're going to, you're going to end up in a depleted state and it's not actually, you're not moving yourself forward. Yeah. This is the first year that I'm only, I'll say only because I know that some people do even less, but I'm only running four days a week. Mm-hmm. And I definitely at at least was running like five, probably six in years past. And I just feel like every run that I go out and do, I'm the run's purpose is being accomplished, Mm. Uh, which like in years past when I was spreading myself a little thinner, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I definitely didn't feel like I was constantly able to achieve the purpose of the run. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, Quality over (laughs) kind of quantity in that way. You're getting really quality miles. You're getting higher higher level of work the reality is is like our bodies interpret stress in in the way that it is stress and so you have to watch that kind of load throughout your day right it can't just say i have to do this today because mm-hmm. i'm su- supposed to right yeah <laughs> um it's it's important to again be flexible within that and recognize the the full spectrum of your life (laughs) to support that recovery. And maybe the best thing for your training is to like, I'm going to take this day off. I'm going to go for a walk (laughs) and then I'm going to go out with some friends and just like have a good time within reason. I'm going to jump back in tomorrow and I'm going to be better for it. I'm going to have a better quality session tomorrow. Yeah. So, yeah. You know, that what you just said about stress is a really critical and important takeaway. And something I learned early on from wearing my whoop is Mm -hmm. that we think that stressing the body only comes within activity on days that maybe I go out and I do a long run or I do a Mm -hmm. long session or a lot, something that's super intense, but really, like you said, our body just interprets stress as stress. Mm -hmm. So if 
shit feels like it's hitting the fan in your life and you are stressed just emotionally, that does impact you in just as severe of a way. So being mindful about what's going on in your life and being okay with adjusting the plan. I've said this on the show a few times lately. It's something that I'm really sticking with and something that I've taken away over the last few weeks is like be okay with changing the plan. Mm -hmm. And as someone who personally is like super type A, it can be hard to be like, well, I was supposed to do this are supposed to do that and like pivoting from that but having grace with yourself and knowing that especially when it comes to marathon training like there's a reason why they have that saying that your train is written in pencil and that's because over the course of between 14, 16, 18, 20 weeks, a lot is going to happen in your life. So having the grace with yourself to know when you need to adjust and modify Mm -hmm. is really, really important. Yeah. And being able to put those pieces where they need to go. Like you can still get them all in but you can get them in in a different format than maybe they originally looked because something happened, right? And I I don't want to create this narrative either that stress is a bad thing all the time because you stress, good stress, we need that. And we need to engage with stress so that we can see that we can meet it, (laughs) face it, Mm -hmm. and move through it, right? And it gives us more strength on the other side of that stress, right? But there is that level, that line of distress that you have to be aware of, like when is this changing and how are we relating to it? Um, Like when is it crossing over and it's becoming detrimental, right? So it's an awareness, it's a a self-awareness, it's a body awareness, it's... Speaking of stress, yeah, you know when we stress, our bodies is when we strength train. Mm. (laughs) Strength training, question coming in, should I be doing it? Why is it important? And how often do I need to strength train if I want to run a marathon? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, tissue capacity, if you look at that, it's important just for maintenance and overall health. I was recently reading a study um, in a journal that I get sent monthly and they were talking about muscle cramping in marathoners and how it's often coming from um, muscle damage, not dehydration or electrolyte issues, Mm. right? It's coming from this overwhelming muscle damage that's happening over the course of this endurance training, the same systems over and over. So if you can utilize strength training in a way to make sure that you're you're touching on pure strength and not just endurance strength, right? Um, Building muscle fibers and just like having a really, really robust body and strength in that way, it's going to benefit you over the long run. And honestly, like getting in the gym and lifting heavy makes you feel like a badass. And like once you get in there and you get comfortable with it, or even if you're doing it at home and you like hit a really stellar like med ball workout and you're like, shit. Yeah. Like I'm strong and I can pick that up. And like, I don't know, like there's something amazing about being like empowered in that way and be like my body is strong and having that chance to interact with yourself differently i don't know i I highly recommend it two times three times a week based on what you've been doing Mm -hmm. um and find a trainer that knows how to correlate it with with your marathon programming because it is easy to over overdo Mm -hmm. um again we're talking about that total cumulative load and knowing how to put together your strength sessions kind of within your overall program. Um, so 
two things to double click on. One, if someone's listening to this and they're like, okay, this is starting to get really expensive. If they're going to try to do two to three days a week of strength training at home, are we thinking like posterior chain focus? Are we thinking core? Like what should they be taking into account if they're just like trying to do this on their own at home? Yeah, yeah. Um, And we say, let me just like also disclaim this because I feel like I always have to say this, but like this is general. These are general takeaways. Again, like the best thing you can do is talk to someone one on one (laughs) about your body. But I recognize and want to make sure that like we are providing a service for someone who feels like they don't have the financial means to go about. Yeah, yeah. I mean, as as a trainer coach, I would say a set of bands is going to be one of the best things that you can um, invest in it's like $10 and get in and do like glute strengthening, do your hamstring stuff, do, um, Achilles calf soleus, like that whole calf complex. So yeah, posterior chains, huge, the hip, just the hips in general, <laughs> can't go wrong there. And honestly, the team at Bespoke has built out a really nice, um, platform and they have, programming that they put together and that's like a really wonderful resource because it's all they're doing a really good job with their virtual engagement and utilization there so they have that programmed kind of towards training and it's easy you can get the app and (laughs) follow along i'll link to that in the in the show notes i've had Dan Giordano, he's the founder of Bespoke here in New York on the show before. Uh, So they have some marathon-focused strength stuff Mm -hmm. that could be helpful for all of you. And again, I'll link to that in the show notes. Okay, we're starting to wind down, but we need to make sure you said the word electrolytes earlier. Mm -hmm. Question that came in, how often should I be hydrating during my runs? Obviously hydration, bigger picture, electrolytes as well. Let's talk about why electrolytes are important and see if we can kind of give a loose answer to Mm -hmm. the hydration cue here. That question. Yeah. Um, Within training runs, it might look a little different. Race-wise, especially when you get to the longer sessions, 40, every 40-ish minutes, I like to have somebody taking things in, alternating between just water and then a carb electrolyte blend, right? Um, But anything over, like that would start somewhere over like an hour and a half. And obviously, you need to listen to your body and make sure that you're getting hydrated ahead of your sessions. (laughs) And then within, if you're feeling like you need it, especially right now in the city, I and probably everywhere. (laughs) It is very, very warm. Um, So listen to your body, stop when you need to. Uh, But my kind of typical is every 40 minutes or so. Every 40 minutes or so. And you mentioned a carb electrolyte option. Electrolytes, Mm -hmm. super important because they help your muscles fire as they are intended to. Mm -hmm. Uh, But everyone sweats differently, right? So you're saying like alternate between water and some sort of electrolyte mix. Uh, You learn yourself over time. Yeah. And so someone, person A may be a really salty sweater and person B may not be. So they may have different hydration intake needs. So again, when we were talking about testing out all of your gear, Mm -hmm. testing out your nutrition, just Mm -hmm. as important. We talked about here electrolytes and water, but then also something like running gels. There are so Mm -hmm. many options out there. How does someone even choose? Yeah. Um, You, if you know that you don't do well with a certain type of like, sugar blend, right? You can obviously look into making sure you're avoiding those things. 
if you prefer to make your own, the number of people that I've engaged with that make their own stuff. I mean, take from the ultra running community. There's people eating sweet potatoes, right? So (laughs) figure out what works for you. Gel wise, it's what sits well. If you've played with it, you've got to play with it. Do you do well with caffeine? Do you not? You know, do you like a certain flavor over another? It's just again, you have to figure yourself out. And that's kind of the beauty of what marathoning is. Like the whole thing, it's a big experiment for yourself. And you get to engage with it. Like maybe one of them makes your stomach drop out and you're like, I'm never going to have that one again. That was an accident. Right. (laughs) Or maybe it wasn't even that. It was something that you had the night before, the morning of. And you kind of just kind of have to take those as they they come. Mm -hmm. Um, I think back to when I was in college my freshman year, I thought I was being really good about like I'm having lunch. My mom helped me with my lunch all growing up. So I was a little spoiled there. <laughs> um, but I would get, I would always have like a big salad at lunch and I'd do all, and then we'd go to practice. And for the first like two weeks, I just was having stomach like GI issues, right? I couldn't figure it out, couldn't figure it out. Went to the nutritionist. They're like, well, a little too much fiber there, right? Mm, so mm-hmm. you got to figure out. I, I know I'm divulging away from the gels question, but it might not always be that that's causing some sort of GI distress. So right. um, speak to a certified nutritionist if that's a <laughs> if that's what you're looking um, to kind of hone in on. But yeah, you have to play with your your marathon experiment. Makes sense. Makes sense. Okay, the last question here. Yeah. If you had to lean into three different important tips for first-time marathoners, mm. where do you go with that? Where do you go with that? What are your top three tips for first-time marathoners, Coach Stowe? Oh, Stowe? man. Man. <sighs> Number one, know why you're doing it. Because if you don't, you're going to get a few weeks in and be like, this isn't worth it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and keep that very present with yourself. Number two, log, <laughs> like engage with your own training. It doesn't have to be in a public platform. Um, just keep a little journal of like what you did, how you felt, um, because some of the confidence that you'll get coming back, like you will have crazy nerves when before, like the night before, the week before. I've seen it happen over and over and over again. Not if you're just a first timer. <laughs> right, for everyone. Yeah. Um, and being able to go back through and look through those pages of strength that you've already established, the things you've already accomplished, what you did do that you probably didn't think you could do, seeing that you had doubt and then you were able to accomplish it. Like, you need that. Um, I think that that's the most important and those things are so fun to come back to even years and years later of like, whoa, what? (laughs) I'm here now and I started there. And then I guess number three would just be keep it fresh as much as you can. Like go explore a a new route. Always have a credit card or Apple Pay (laughs) on you so that you can bail if you need to, if you don't feel comfortable. But explore. Like find new places let like I still find new areas of the city or that I haven't ever been to before and it's it's what keeps it engaging and if that's being with other people and like letting them direct the route for you and or jump into a run that you maybe were nervous about doing right like I would guess that you'll be surprised by 
the kindness and the acceptance of the people that you're <laughs> engaging with and that maybe more than half of those people feel the same way you do. So yeah, I guess those are my three. I love that keep it fresh tip because like you alluded to, that's so much bigger than just the root, right? Like that kind of boils down to keep finding the fun in yeah. it. Make the most out of this thing that is now going to take up a lot of your time, but it's taking up your time because you want it to take up your time. So how can you enjoy that yeah. the most? Absolutely. Absolutely. Coach Rebecca Stowe. Anything else? Any other parting words here? No, just thank you for having me. I, I'm glad that I was able to run over here. I got my 10K in. <laughs> got your 10K in. I'm glad that you were able to come in. I feel like this is probably going to uh, result in more questions in my messages and in my inbox. And no if doubt. that's the case, then we'll have to have a reunion episode. <laughs> thank you. How do the hurdlers follow along with you? How do they keep up with you and your tips and your tricks and your wisdom? Oh, yeah. Rebecca Stowe. Instagram's probably the best one, but it's R-E-B-E-K-A. No, no C's. No, no C's here. Yeah. Her name will be in the in the show notes here. So if you need a spell check, we yeah. got you. Her handle in there as well. I'm over at Hurdle Podcast and at Emily Body. Another hurdle conquered. Catch you guys next time. Bye.